Today's guest is Eric Brown, the co-founder and chief visionary officer of the award-winning creative agency, Whiteboard. Eric and his co-founder, Taylor Jones, have taken the company from designing websites at their kitchen table to winning awards for design and development while serving clients like Chick-fil-A, Google, MailChimp, and others. Eric joined the show to talk about how applying personal values has helped almost 300 brands create digital experiences. He delved into why it's so important to cast a vision that lasts past ourselves, as well as what it looks like practically for companies as they create and market themselves through content. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode with Eric and have really enjoyed getting to know him as a person. Let's dive in with Eric Brown from Whiteboard. Put that content down. Content. For closes only. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. Welcome back into Content is for Closers. Glad to be with you today. We've got a great episode interview scheduled with Eric Brown upcoming in just a moment. But Carlton, how are we doing this week? We're awesome, man. Listening to this episode, I just feel even more creative than I have in, in at least a couple of weeks. So yeah, one of the things that I took away from it is Eric is not a CEO. He's a CVO. So it's the chief vision officer. And he really does bring the vision. I mean, they're talking to their clients about what it's like to look at a 30-year roadmap or what are we going to be in 30 years? And he really brings that intentionality to their entire company. They've produced a ton of content just around their values and what is most important to them. For the last couple of years, I've always respected how well they've written and published content around their culture and what they see as most important. Just looking from a design perspective, they're just a shining example in the Chattanooga area of, of a company who does quality design. Yeah. I liked to the point that you just made how he brings some of those macro thoughts, whether it be the philosophy behind their work, the, the vision, you know, all these things that are like, could be 30 or 10 years out or things that are that important that they would last that long. And then brings that to fruition on this micro daily scale in terms of how they publish content for themselves and then how they execute for their clients. He talked a little bit about that process and how the big, important, fundamental things impact and facilitate even the way that they bring work to bear. So thought it was a really good episode. Let's get into this with Eric Brown, Chief Visionary Officer at Whiteboard. All right, we've got Eric Brown, co-founder and CVO of Whiteboard with us. Eric, thanks for joining the show. Happy to be here and thank you for the invitation. You have one of the unique titles, I would say. Like CVO isn't one that you see you see all around. We were just kind of talking offline about how you and your co-founder Taylor have taken taken different roles over the years through through the business. But maybe just before we get into all that we're going to talk about with experiences and and having balanced brands and things like that, what does that mean? What is what does a CVO do? Yep, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I think I've got to give credit to the to to the person who we sort of we sort of learned that from, which was uh, Simon Sinek in his book, The Infinite Game. He oh, actually yeah. has, has a has a probably one third of a chapter dedicated to the necessity that every single company should have a CBO. And one of the reasons that he sort of articulated in, in the book was, you know, the most important thing for any 
company, no matter what size is, is the, is what the vision looks like, you know, and you know, how do we step back? How are we looking at our five-year impact? Are we looking at our 10-year impact? What's the next 30 years look like? And, and for me and our team and, and the relationship that I have with my co-founder, Taylor, we sort of, we were sort of doing an exercise around our roles and, you know, Taylor is very much sort of the operations side of, you know, of the brain of the business. And I've always been really sort of gravitated toward the heartbeat and the vision and the ideas of the organizations that we get to come around, uh, come alongside. So when we were, we actually read that book together and at the end, sort of talking through the notes, I think he was the one who actually was like, Eric, I think we got your title wrong. I think we should totally lean into this CBO idea. Hmm. And thus, that's how it happened. Nice. Yeah, I love that. We we just wrapped up and on the show, we wrapped up kind of a, a planning series at the end of last year on, you know, following essentially the, the elements of the book Traction. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with that. And yeah, so even that was stretching for me personally, the, the 10 year part of it. And I think it was really, really good um, to go into and, you know, think about, I can't even imagine the, the 30 year version of that, but I love that you guys are, I mean, I think one thing that anyone who's familiar with whiteboard or interacted with whiteboard is that comes across is the intentionality with which you all do business and, and have built your company. And I think a lot of that, you know, is demonstrated by the way that you currently go to market with the different offerings that you have. And one of them being around experience. You know, I, th I think if anyone goes to your website, there's a ton of language, a ton of verbiage around this idea of building great experiences. And maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you uh, like basically what, so for full disclosure, Eric and I were talking offline before and he started going into this. I was like, wait, wait, wait I got to press record because it's so, it's so good. But yeah, maybe just give us that, how, how you view the importance of experience and how it relates to what you all do for brands. Absolutely. Well, I think I'll start with the dictionary definition because I think that's just a great place to start. Perfect. Um, because I think there's a thousand uh, sort of definitions for what uh, what the experience economy is. But the thing that we've always leaned into is, you know, goods that are sold by emphasizing the effect they can have on a person's life. And I think for us, you know, again, sort of coming back into that sort of chief vision role is the goal of vision is to begin with the end. What happens when mission is fulfilled? What happen, What happens when vision is complete? Which is actually a scary place for for a lot of the organizations we work with because, you know, when vision is complete, the, or, the organization doesn't need to exist anymore or the product doesn't need to mm. exist anymore most of the time. But yeah, one of the exercises that we love to do is sort of start with the end in mind and talk about the end, you know, and, and typically that starts with a 30 year exercise of, of, Tell us what the next 30 years looks like. And obviously, like, I think, I think the sort of retrospection that happens within that conversation gives, first and foremost, it's sort of our hack to really understand what the values of a founder and or leader that we're working with, like what those values are. And then how does that, how does that fold back into the product and or service that they're creating for the world? Mm. So, yeah. So, you know, when we think about effects, we are all affected by the products and things that we're marketed to on a daily basis. In fact, I think a lot of us, for me, you know, not only as an entrepreneur, but as a dad and as a husband, you know, is we're just, we're overwhelmed with options on a daily basis of things we can buy, things we should look, look at, oh, this content just sort of 
clickbaited its way into my life, you know, and now I have worry and anxiety, you know, like there's so many things happening on a day-to-day basis in all of our lives. You know, when we get to work with a founder, founder and or leader around what they're trying to do in the world, like they've got to have a strong effect. And if that affects not, you know, if that effect hasn't been fully fleshed out, that's really sort of where the superpowers of whiteboard come in. Very cool. So, so you're giving them that the super, the strength to break through kind of all of the overwhelm and all the rest of it. Is that that's the exactly the aspiration? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I have to ask you back on the thirty year thing. Yeah. Do people look at you like I feel like like our executive teams ready when you when you ask that question or are they like what are you talking about thirty years? Especially non owners, I could see that being a uh, you know being an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, we've, so we started the business when we were, when we were 24, when I was 24 and, you know, and now I'm 35 and thinking about, you know, the next 30 years, I'll be 65 Hmm. and, and there's a good chance that both of my kids will be married and there's a potential that I could have grandkids in the next 30 years. I think it's more so just the realization that, that time is, is, is an incredible resource that we have, but it's limited. And you know, to sort of exercise, you know, what can we accomplish over the next 30 years is, is, is really the question that we're, that we're trying to have with every single one of the clients we serve. And so for our team, you know, to reconcile that, you know, I think, I think for them, they've, they've challenged us of like, okay, well, what does this look like for an agency that we could potentially work for, for the next 30 years? Mm -hmm. What kind of, what kind of environment could that look like? What would be inspiring about that environment? And, and I think for us, like we have a, we have a very open posture towards all the ideas and things of how to create a culture that thrives here. So they're not necessarily intimidated. I think everybody's certainly challenged by it. Sure. Oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> Including I, myself. In, in a good way. So assuming they come to, you know, you, you go through this process, you're talking about the 30 year vision. What does the end look like? You're then moving into the effects of, of the product or the message that you're going to send out. What, what then, how can brands think practically about building, whether it be digital or non-digital, but I think, you know, for the purpose of this conversation experiences that, that can serve their, their, whatever it is, customer, prospect, employee base, et cetera. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll start, you know, I think one of sort of the most important design principle at whiteboard is, was really spurred by a quote from uh, Maya Angelou, which is I've learned that people will forget what you say. People forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And so for whiteboard, you know, a lot of the experiences and the things that we're creating at a high level, I really see as invitations, you know, invitations to, you know, to buy into a product vision invitations to buy into uh, some kind of social good, an invitation to be a part of somebody's life. And so, so we put a lot of energy and intentionality behind designing these really beautiful invitational experiences, or at least that's the goal for everything we create as a team. One of the unique things that we've learned over the past, you know, 12 years is uh, the digital space is ever changing and it's ever learning, as we all know. I would say almost every single one of our clients from, from the fortune 500s that we serve all the way to the startups that we serve to the nonprofits that we serve all feel some sort of anxiety and are overwhelmed with just the amount of things that they feel like they're not doing well. 
so for whiteboard we've really done our best to integrate a team we have three teams uh, internally we have a product team we have a brand team and we have an act- activation team that are really trying to work in tandem uh, because a lot of organizations you know they're either doing brand really well and not doing their products or platforms well and not doing marketing well mm. um, or they're doing marketing really well and not you know but don't have strong brand positioning and so what we're trying to do is really build a holistic approach to how we build digital first brands. Mm, I love that. And so talk about a little bit, like when you go into a, a company and, and I'm really thinking now for the entrepreneur who's listening, who's, who's trying to figure out like, okay, well, you know, I have a really strong brand potentially, uh, but I, I you know, I don't even use product and what does activation mean? So activation, I think you're, you're talking about marketing, right? there. What about on the product side of things? I feel like that's a huge, huge emphasis to what you all have built. Yeah, no, absolutely. So a lot of the products that we build, so we have a, we have a digital product team that's really creating platforms and or digital products from the ground up, or, you know, we, we call it platforms internally, but you know, which is really the website experiences. Mm -hmm. And the metaphor that I always use for websites um, and the digital experiences we use are it's it's the front door to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, your house is made up of different rooms. It's got, you know, you know, all the rooms have different paint on the walls. When you think about uh, all the elements and facets of a company, you know, it's, it's it, a great metaphor has always been the things that we experience in a house. But you're always going to go into the front door and you're always going to get a first impression of what that house is made of uh, when you first walk in. And so... Websites are are still the front door mm. to an organization. It's it's your front door to recruiting. It's your front door to your vision. It's the front door to where 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 I think this relationship could go. And it's also a place that if you don't make it feel like home and or inviting, I don't think I'm ever going to come visit again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and so I mean, I think we all sort of face those opportunities on a day to day basis based on the different websites we visit every day. Yeah. That's something I really appreciate about you all in the way. So, so we, Derek and I also started as website builders. And I think there's this impetus to like push that down and and not belittle it, but it's like, yeah, we started with websites, but now we're doing all this cool stuff. You know, we, we do all these other things on top of it. And what you all have done so effectively is first of all, not forget where you've where you where you started, you know what your strength yeah. is, and you've elevated those things to have even more impact than just yeah we build websites. Where like you know the way you you think about it, the way you talk about it, and the way you um, are able to execute on it for for customers. I remember just as an aside, the first time I talked with someone with white at whiteboard, I was I think I was interviewing at Vayner or I, I, I was I was in the area for something, and you guys had the small office that you shared with, I think it was uh South tree. Is that right? Or yep. yeah. And I was like, Oh, those are both, both cool. And now both of you have kind of exploded. So it's, it's cool to see how that evolved over time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think it's, yeah, South tree. I know I would, I think most people know them by legacy box, but or le- yeah, legacy box. That's right. Yep. The, the, the camaraderie that, that we sort of formed at the beginning of both companies we were figuring a lot of things out, you know, Facebook wasn't a public company when in those early days, you know, and how much had changed. Like there was such thing as organic traffic, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where there's, there's no such thing as that anymore, you know? And so 
man, yeah, those are lots of lessons we learned in those days. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I want to get to uh, a little bit of a content brainstorm that we can we can do together. But before we do, just just thinking of that evolution that you all have, you know, enjoyed and and grown through. How to, how if you had to look back over the last twelve years, what are some of the main things you attribute that growth from? building websites on your kitchen table to, you know, talking to fortune 500s about their brand experience today. Like that's quite a, a jump up and talking about time earlier, 12 years really isn't that much time for, for that quick of a, an escalation. So what are some of those things that you attribute that to? Yeah. You know, so we, so we have a, one of the things we spent a lot of time on. So we had a mentor probably four or five years ago, you know, we were talking about we we're talking about our, our culture at whiteboard and the things that we were aspiring to create and, you know, wanted to be. And I'll never forget the day he looked at us and he was like, guys, he's like, y'all talk a lot about what y'all want this place to be. He goes, have you written it down? Hmm. And we just, and Taylor and I just sort of looked at each other and we're like, well, no. <laughs> and, and he said, if you haven't written it down, it doesn't exist hmm. for anyone. And I promise you Adam, the, the thing that we probably do more of than anything else is write yeah. about the culture we aspire to have and to write the things that we aim to accomplish on behalf of our clients. And that exercise has been, and, and keeping that as a part of just our rhythm as a team has been probably some of the most, they've always generated the most rewarding conversations and, and, you know, lunch topic, lunch conversations with, with our, with our colleagues, but also our clients. And, you know, one of, one of the exercises that we really sort of leaned into, I mean, this was a handful of years ago, was actually creating what we call the digital, our digital stewardship manifesto, Mm -hmm. which is really built off sort of five pillars, which is good as the enemy of great groundbreaking creativity requires exploration. Healthy people and healthy minds produce the greatest results. The quality and creative value of any project will be directly proportional to the resources you invest in it. And in a digital world, digital assets are a long-term investment, not a short-term hedge. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the sort of the bullet points and and in the manifesto, which you can download on our site, you know, there's, there's definitely some more that we anchored to those kind of five, five pieces, you know, is, have all been lessons. You know, I think one of the things is, there's a difference between a good website and a great website and everybody, everybody knows what that means, Mm -hmm. but even though everyone's might not be able to articulate it, you know, groundbreaking creativity requires exploration. It means we're going to throw out bad ideas, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to actually take time to explore the ideas that we're not going to pursue healthy people and healthy minds produce the greatest results. I think in the agency space, you know, the agency space, the agency industry is known for immense exploitation immense politics, you know, immense burnout and anxiety. And we realized early on, you know, whiteboard is never going to thrive if, if we're, if we're burning out our people and our people don't feel like they're rested enough to contribute their best work, you know? And so we've really at a, at a heartbeat level have tried to really extinguish all of that, Mm. you know, that comes, you know, within our industry. So yeah, that's great. And I, I think um, there's obviously, the, first of all, thanks for sharing that. The manifesto is available on the on the white. And I would encourage you if you're listening and you're like trying to think through how you can build your brand, like it's, a, it's just a perfect example of the output that this type of thinking and this type of intentionality that we're talking about 
delivers. So obviously that is kind of like a public facing piece that, that, you know, helps you all congeal your thoughts internally. It, it I'm sure helps yeah. in the, in the new biz process. Are there any systems or cadences that you all use to share those ideas prior to that? Like, cause you said that you spent a lot of time writing, writing to these things. Is that like a, yeah, I don't know. So some way that you are able to do that on a regular basis and, and share those ideas with the team? No, absolutely. So we, you know, one of our rhythms, one of our rituals as a team is, is we do, we do a Wednesday huddle, you know, for example, and our Wednesday huddles are really built around, I think first and foremost at the, at the onset of the global pandemic that we're still in is, is how are we creating rhythms of connection mm -hmm. and allowing our team to sort of express where they're at. One of my favorite exercises that we do as a team is actually, it's called, we call it one to 10, which is on a scale of one to 10. How are you? And you don't have to explain your number unless you want to, like there's no pressure there. But what's really unique about that exercise is if, you know, I'm really great and I'm a 10, you know, we celebrate that. Hmm. Um, but if, but if a person sort of is like, you know what, I'm a five this week and, you know, or a three this week, you know, because this personal thing happened in my life that I don't want to go into details about, or, you know, I mean, I mean, you could, you could insert a thousand different mm -hmm. examples there. You know, but it's a way that our team has really been able to come around other people, you know, when they're not bringing their best work that week, sure. you know, or they're, or they're just feeling a funk. And uh, so we do a one to 10 exercise. We actually are, we're, we're transparent with our whole team about the finances of whiteboard. So everybody knows how healthy we're at, where do we hit our goals? Where do we miss our goals? What do we need to, what do we need to critique? We have a boom award, which is boom is sort of the the word that we use for big accomplishments around here. Okay. Um, so somebody passes that uh, to a fellow team member every week. And love that uh, you even said that when we started yeah. recording, you're like, boom. So I knew that <laughs> it's in the, it's in the yep. window. Absolutely. And, um, and then, yeah. And the last thing is really, you know, a time for me and or Taylor to sort of express heartbeat and vision. And I would say a lot of the ideas and things that we're testing or thinking about more often than times are really sort of tested and expressed in that Wednesday huddle. Mm -hmm. And so, so the ideas that have come from some of the conversations that have happened during our Wednesday huddles have just been, I mean, first and foremost, incredibly rewarding, but also incredibly challenging. So yeah, so practically one of the things that sort of surfaced was this idea called Grayscale, um, which is another digital publication we've started launching last year. We've got a pretty aggressive schedule to, to actually release 24 issues this year related to the gray areas around the internet. Like mm. the purpose of the internet, the purpose of technology is to scale human effort. But what happens when that scale is detrimental? And, and the internet and all of its gray areas, uh, you know, obviously gives us immense power with a click of a button, but that's also a responsibility that I think brands have to carry and steward incredibly well, especially in, in moments that just feel so over political, you know, mm -hmm. and, or, or, or in moments where everyone's feeling anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and how are brands not being exploitative within these moments of, of extreme polarization. So yeah, that's another one. Grayscale is, is something that we're excited about. Nice. I, I must've, uh, is that live currently? It is. So yeah. So, uh, grayscale.whiteboard.is. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out for sure. I love that you guys are, are, are publishing that. Okay. So obviously you do a lot of time, you spend a lot of time thinking about 
content, what intentional content looks like, how to do it effectively outside of what you all are creating internally. This is kind of just, you know, going into a little bit of a brainstorm session here or kind of what's, what's important to you at the moment. What, what, if anything external is, is having an impact on you as a, as a consumer, as a reader, whatever, anything that you particularly want to share? Absolutely. I think, I think first and foremost, you know, so we love, I love, uh, my team laughs. They call me the website, the website wiki. Okay. They say, they think I look at websites more than anyone else, <laughs> uh, which could be true, which could be true. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things, so we talk a, a lot about what does it mean to be a creative agent at Whiteboard and the, the principles we sort of created over the years, which is for is, you know, how are we exercising imagination? How are we empowering belief? How are we discerning action? And how are we employing beauty? And so those sort of four things are what I'm kind of always secretly looking for mm. in the products and the content that, that I love. And so, so yeah, you know, as a consumer, the content that, that, I've, that I'm gravitating towards today is really content that is making me ask hard questions about, about our space. So yeah, so this past year, I've sort of been taking a hiatus, you know, off of social media, but at a personal level mm-hmm. to sort of reconcile why, why is this an important part of my life? How is it, is it making me a better dad? Is it making me a better husband? Is it making me a better leader? Oftentimes I can't answer that question well, <laughs> because I, because I, I think, I think so many friends and peers of ours are like, social media is, is just making me anxiety you know, 80% of the time. Yeah. Like why do I, why do I, why do I keep spoon feeding myself just amidst technology or immense anxiety and an immense noise? And so any content that really is sort of challenging those notions are things that I'm gravitating towards. So obviously Center for Humane Technology is one that I think is just, they're producing content that's really challenging a lot of, a lot of how I think about social media and ultimately challenging me in the way that you know, I believe social media is a tool and advertising is a tool and the internet is a tool, but it's certainly not an identity. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of our identities can be wrapped up in what we project on a screen juxtaposed to what's real. And and so Center for Humane Technology is challenging me. I've, I've been super into, you know, there's been a ton of obviously talk and and discovery around Facebook this year. So Wall Street Journal's Facebook Files, which is just a podcast that really sort of, you know, asks a lot of hard questions about the algorithms and about some of the practices that Facebook's utilized over the past decade that for me have been incredibly hard, you know, to reconcile of. I remember when my friend, my former college roommate was like, hey, you need to get on this Facebook thing, you know, back in 2000. 2009 and you know because you have a dot edu you know email address Mm -hmm. you can get on it and you know so again there's so much power in the internet that we have to move beyond tactics and trends and really reconcile why it's important how are we utilizing it because the truth is i think my 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 greatest fear and my my greatest challenge is you know how, how am I going to empower my kids to think about these tools that will empower their lives too? Sure. 
Yeah, just so going back to the Center for um, Humane Technology, I think those are the folks or they had some connection to the documentary Social Dilemma, I think, right? Yep. Yeah, so people- uh, yeah, they, they created it. Or they created it, okay. So people, you may have seen that or if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix, really interesting. And then they also, I'm just pulling up their site here, have a youth toolkit, which I think is really interesting and probably worth exploring. I, I'm with you and we're in such a weird- it's a weird tension, right? Because, you know, we do this for a living. <laughs> and so there's last year I deleted everything besides Twitter, which like is probably the, the worst of the group anyways. <laughs> but there's almost like a compulsion, like in order to continue in my career, in order to continue in building this business, we have to have, we have to be publishing, right? Like we have to have as individuals have a footprint on there. And even, even just deleting Facebook and Instagram and all that, you know, you get questions from customers, from, from folks who are like, wait, you're not on there. So how do you know what's going on? How do you, how do you resolve that tension personally, just knowing that you need the break and knowing that it's probably something healthy for you as a human while at the same time, you know, building a, a company that is working in that space? Well, I've, I've embraced the posture that the tension is good. Mm. And I think the tension, I think if the tension wasn't ever present, then then I think that would be a problem. Like I would be on one side, either I would be completely apathetic or it would just be about tactics yeah. that are driven by capitalism. You know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think for me, one of the organizations that we we've worked with for the past several years and probably, probably, and, and probably one of the organizations that has influenced me most is it's a group called Praxis Labs. They're based yeah. in New York. They were, they really architect. They architected this sort of framework for what they call redemptive entrepreneurship. And one of the, one of the things that we've sort of brought into whiteboard, you know, in terms of how we're thinking is how are we designing experiences with a redemptive edge? Mm -hmm. Now that's client side on the personal side. I think this is totally applicable for me as, as a dude and a dad and uh, a husband and, you know, which is how am I not, am I not being exploitative? How am I not being exploitative, mm -hmm. which is take all you can get. I win, you lose, you know, there's win, there's winning and controlling is the sole motive. Mm -hmm. How are, I think there's sort of an element of like, I think we can assume ethics in a lot of these conversations, which is do things right. I win, you win, be good, do good sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the hardest one, it, and I think the one that sort of the tip of the spear is, you know, Praxis says, how are you blessing others? Or how are you aspiring to bless others? I sacrifice, we win, how, how do we love and serve? Institutionalizing that within a company is an incredible challenge, but it's been one of the most worthwhile challenges for me because I think, I think that really sort of leaning into the redemptive edge, it comes, it's, it's actually sort of reignited my passion and love for the term agency, hmm. not agency noun, but agency verb. And, and has really sort of sparked a lot of imagination for our team of how can we be true agents on, on behalf of the ideas and the, and the missions that we serve. And then coming, sort of flipping that to a personal, on the personal side is how can I be that for my family? How can I be that for my friends? And, and so, yeah, I think designing experiences and living experiences with a redemptive edge has been one of the, one of the, one of the greatest sort of pursuits in my, in my personal life. Mm.
I appreciate you sharing that. I'm just looking at the Praxis Lab stuff now as you're talking through it. Is there any recommendations for folks who are interested on, it looks like they have a couple of different learning journeys or is any resources specifically that, that were helpful to you? Or did you go through some of their coursework maybe or something? Absolutely. So we actually went through their accelerator probably three or four years ago, Okay. but their books, so they have a book called The Redemptive Business that is literally sitting right beside me okay. on my desk. They have their, their book, The Rule of Life for Redemptive Entrepreneurs is, is incredible. And they also have a book called The Redemptive Nonprofit that really just sort of leans into like, what does the redemptive edge mean for, for the nonprofit space too? So it's just killer content written by incredible people, a lot of meaning in a world that's, you know, that oftentimes feels more driven on returns than impact. Mm. And I would say practice is definitely on the impact side of the spectrum. That's great. So definitely check that out. We'll link that in the, in the show notes below. So Eric, we kind of ended up talking a lot about some of the things that you're already publishing, but kind of as we wrap here, I'd love to yeah. hear any any personal projects or anything you're you're excited about content wise that you're creating, and or just what has you fired up. We're here, we're recording right now, second first full <laughs> week of, of January twenty two. So what's got you what's got you excited for the horizon? Absolutely. Well, well, there's a number of things. I think first and foremost, uh, Grayscale continues to be at the forefront of my mind, just because 24 issues is a lot. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the the good thing there is, you know, I think the hope, the aspiration for Grayscale is that people know that, again, these tensions that we're feeling are good things, but understanding why, you know, and so, for example, you know, issue one of Grayscale was consumerism, you know, and creativity, which are very different from one another, mm -hmm. you know, and are we living a life built more on consumerism versus a life that's built more on, more on creativity. And so, and what side of the spectrum would we, would we gravitate towards? The second one actually dealt with cyberbullying and uh, internet etiquette, you know, or netiquette, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, so, I mean, we've got full things just related to algorithms and, and, and tech wise, you know, what does it mean to utilize technology and put it in its place juxtaposed to just the algorithm sort of dictating wherever we go on the internet, you know, sort of things. So that one's, that one's definitely a thing. And then on the client side, you know, which, which really fires me up is we're working with a lot of incredible missions, you know, in June of this year, we're slated to launch and uh, help launch a new company that their whole mission is helping us put, put our phones away so we can notice the now. Mm. Um, we worked with a, a tea company that has been building a startup in Afghanistan for the past six years, you know, and so they've, their, their pursuit is building ethical markets for conflict affected communities. And so obviously Afghanistan is, has been, has been in the national headlines and, and, you know, around these sort of things, and they're continuing to prevail as a nonprofit amid incredible uncertainty right now, yeah. or as a, as a, as a, as a startup, we're working with organizations trying to decrease global carbon emissions helping people on planet through gift giving, working with an organization right now that's try that's, you know, in the same way that we all sort of have 401, 401ks and retirement accounts, you know, they, they really believe that everyone should have a giving account. And so helping them scale their impact over the next, you know, six to 12 months. But yeah, I mean, I think, for, I think that's the unique thing about whiteboard, you know, we we're whiteboard exists to connect the dots sort of between 
what's now and what's next for a lot of organizations. And so, you know, and, and I think for us, we, you know, we work with a lot of optimists and, and, and so for me, amid a world that's really in a cultural moment, that's built on a lot of uncertainty and a lot of skepticism, I am continually reminded that, that there are incredible people in this world who really believe that the best is in front of us. And, uh, and that makes me hopeful and fires me up on a daily basis. That's great. This has been great. I think it's a pretty different style from other episodes that we've had and really appreciate the transparency and the the genuine thought you you've shared with us today. I guess just before we we sign off anything else that you'd like to to share or mention for for the listeners? Is it whiteboard.is? So learn more about our work, but but that's it. So grateful for this invitation and Hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, we will for sure. And by the way, we didn't even say congrats to the team and to you on uh, winning the the Webflow, you know, like best website builders ever award or what I, I saw on your site. You guys, you guys were featured on on Webflow stuff and we didn't even get to that. But they're not just the people who are trying to do good, although they are. They're, they're really good at it, too. So <laughs> make sure you, you check out their site, like, like Eric said. Appreciate you coming on, Eric. Absolutely. An honor. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Content is for Closers. We hope you find this show really helpful as you grow your business with content. Maybe you know of other people who would find this show helpful as well. How about you send them our way? If you didn't like this show and you want to tell us that, then you can head over to contentisforclosers.com where you can send us a message, give us some feedback, ask questions, or find detailed notes for every episode. Until next time, keep creating and keep closing.